Qbert, this game is so mind-boggling, it will knock you out. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. And I'm Sean. And that's it. It's a it's another one of the Fireside Chats, uh, mostly always about arcade games. I don't know what that is, Sean, but sometimes the other guys just don't want to join us. It's totally, I'm sure it's totally a coincidence that it's about the games that they've all played a million times before. It's fine. And Qbert could um, could be one of those games that some people have played a million times before. Uh, remind me, what's your level of familiarity with our little orange friend? Um, going to those bar arcade combination places, um, I played them there, uh, and uh, at a at an arcade called uh, Kahunaville uh, in a mall. Uh, that's where I played Qbert. I first played Qbert online actually back in like 2001 or 2002 i guess somebody found a way to like emulate those games online like just with java or something like that so i'm not certain if it was even the real arcade version or what have you but i don't know it was fun it was it was like just simple enough that you wanted uh to keep playing not as complicated as uh, some of the other arcade games that were hosted on that website so it was one that i frequently went back to but it's also not something that we hear much about today. I don't think anyone's screaming for Qbert's revival. Yeah, I think for me, it was always like it had a unique enough look because of the unique angle that it presents it at. Um, and again, like you said, it was simple enough that I, I was easily drawn to it. And then I like when I would eventually just fail. I was just like, okay, I'm just not good at that. And then I'd walk away and play something else. You know, people in 1983, though, when this game came out, they were what I would say Qbert quasi uh, for Qbert. <laughs> you know, they were quasi <laughs> for Qbert. God, stop it. <laughs> and um, I say that not even just because the arcade game was a hit, but because we're talking about over 125 licensed merchandise based on Qbert's likeliness. Everything from frisbees to sleeping bags to bed sheets. I mean, you name it, they made it for Qbert. For Qbert. Wow, that's some really uncontrolled consumerism. I like where you're going with this. Thank you for following <laughs> along. Uh, you know, Qbert also even got an animated cartoon uh, as part of Saturday Supercade on CBS. So I don't know if you managed to like find stumble of this on like YouTube or something, but the episodes are up there, and I just think it's hysterical, uh, you know, that you could flesh out something like Qbert, who kind of lives in a void <laughs> in space, you know, like just on a in on a floating M pyramid. Space, yeah. Uh, so I guess then you'd be qualified because I imagine you watched the entire show. Um, so maybe you're qualified to answer this question because I know that um, you're really into baseball. But my question is, is Qbert just the Philly fanatic? You know, best I can tell, Qbert, uh, you know, the Qbert that we know in the video games is not the same Qbert that they put into this uh, television show. So oh. in the in the television show, right? Because like in the television <laughs> show, he's like it's almost like it's 1950. 
or something. Like there's just there's something off about Qbert's world, and he's got a girlfriend by the way named QT. Oh wow! Uh, you know, so uh, he also has a brother Qbit. You know, I could just you know everybody is Q something, uh, and they basically deal with you know the same people that you deal with in the game, like Coily and Ugg and Wrong Way. Um, which is funny to think that, like, that's the name of the enemies. But, you know, they're basically just dealing with them, but in more, like, social settings. Like, those guys are bullies to the to the townspeople. And Qbert's kind of like, you know, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of ignored my question, though. Uh, so- no, oh, yeah, so about the Philly Fanatic thing. No, he's, I guess, like, what I'm saying is, is like, I would imagine he is, if you go off of the arcade game, but... I just don't buy that the same Qbert that's on this TV show, uh, you know, who's who talks. First off, that's like the weirdest thing, right? Yeah. Like they sh- he should have not have said a word, but no, he seems to be pretty uh, pretty level headed, and you know, supposed to be our hero. I'd say that like anything like that, um, this Qbert show is more just Qbert Gaiden than anything. I don't think this is true deep lore. Right, whereas, like, the Philly fanatic, he's, like, a foil, he's a court jester, if you will. Um, So much more like a Qbert video game. uh, Yes, exactly, exactly. If I I had it my way, and I think both Wreck-It Ralph and uh, that other movie, Pixels, with Adam Sandler, (laughs) um, both of them have Qbert, and he doesn't say a damn word in either one, and that's how I would choose to portray Qbert as well, as just kind of like this goofy otherworldly thing that like you recognize but you're like oh that's pretty strange that you know he's forced to be alive (laughs) against his will right right uh i brought all this up in the front though just to say that like you know qbert was a big deal and then like the video game crash happened you know like the same exact year so the popularity of the character pretty much declined in 1984 but, you know, that doesn't necessarily explain a lot of things because, like, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong... Donkey Kong's still popular because he got, like, attached to the Mario series. But, like, yeah. Pac-Man, still very popular. Why isn't Qbert, like, something that, you know, like, we're, we're not looking for more of that? I guess we're going to have to start some petitions. Well, I'll start with, uh, you know, just some observations of my own. You know, I'm nitpicky about this stuff. The title, Qbert... I don't know, it bothers me because we haven't been saying it properly. It's like, it's Q asterisk Bert. Yeah, I mean, would you, like, if it was uh, hyphenated, would you think that you have to say it any differently? No, but I think that's, like, the point of the hyphen, right, is to let me know that it's, like, it's Q Bert is, like, one word, whereas, like, the asterisk doesn't tell me much about anything. Is the Q silent? By the asterisk? Like, is that like a footnote that you have to read further down? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. I uh, I think it's supposed to be Q to the power of Bert. That would also, that would work for me a little bit better. You know, like, that would be fun to say every time. Q to the power. Um, <laughs> also, just general musings here. Because Qbert, when he... Um, you know, like, when he gets hit by something, he kind of, like, curses in random symbols, right? He has, like, the at sign and the mm-hmm. exclamation mark and a, maybe a few other, maybe the ampersand shows up. He has, like, these curses that he does. So that made me think of, like, you know, why isn't it Q-Wert? Like, the first, you know, four letters on the on an actual keyboard, like a QWERTY keyboard, like Q-Wert. And it's, like, when he dies, he's just, like, rage quitting and <laughs> spamming a bunch of 
symbols on the keyboard, you know, that, like, Q-Bert makes sense to me. Q-Bert? I'm like, I don't really know this guy. Well, maybe the idea was that it would be, like, again, we're, we're going into territory where nobody's an expert on anything, but I, I would say that uh, maybe that was the original idea, but to make it sound more namey, uh, they made it Q-Bert, and that you're supposed to just understand that it's based on the keyboard, you know? Or it sure. could be nothing, and we're just uh, we're reading into things that you don't need to. Uh, Warren Davis, who is the creator of Qbert, uh, did express regret for using the adderisk because it prevented the name from being a common crossword term. Oh, that's wow. Okay, that's the sort of things he's thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> it could have lived on for a hundred years had <laughs> he just removed the asterisk. He's actually responsible. The whole thing that we were asking earlier about why did Qbert die? Why is no one asking for Qbert? It's because there's this uncertainty around the asterisk that like no no lawyer in America can answer, so they won't dare license the property. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking. I, I'd never noticed it before, but. Like just in like YouTube videos and and just general Google results, it, nothing is like everything has the asterisk. I thought it was just like one of those stylizations that you know, aren't always respected. Um, but here we are. Yeah, and I think like you know, there's Qbert and then there's Qbert, so that's why the asterisk has to be there. You know, that's the emphasis on the Q, if you will. So, Sean, what are we playing here? What is a Q-Bert? Um, a Q-Bert. I'm confident that a Q-Bert is uh, a game that we're about to talk about, the game itself and not the weird alien creature. Uh, it's sort of like um, – I I forgot what game we were talking about. Oh, no, we were talking about Pac-Man uh, just a few episodes ago. Uh, we were discussing the – the feeling of playing Pac-Man, and some one of you said that it was like uh, like mowing the grass, and this is sort of just mowing the grass on a very cube cuby hill, uh, if if that's a good enough way to describe it. Yeah, it's like um, a bunch of actual cubes stacked on top of each other in the shape of a pyramid. I guess is like the best way to describe that thing, um, and you have to touch the the top layer of each cube to change its color and this is all done um in an isometric viewpoint so uh you know the cubes do look 3d and cubert even has a little bit of like 3d sense to him right in in the way that a 2d video game could he's got some shading (laughs) yeah so um so you know there's supposed to be this added challenge of it's not just like hopscotch you know it's like you actually have to your inputs kind of are the important thing because you have to know where you are um, in space, you know, like at any given time. Because if you hit to go right, well, what does right mean contextually when you're uh, at the edge of the pyramid? Whereas if you're in the middle of the pyramid, you know, so th- those things kind of change. And that's really like, that's the challenge, right? This The isometric nature of the game is the challenging part of the game. It was so challenging, in fact, that the um, uh, two two things happen here. The manual suggests that to make the game easier, you should play with the controller at a forty five degree angle. And when I read that, I had no idea what they meant. I mean, I knew that uh, 
the the directions were not going to be just up, down, right, left, right because of this like faux 3D effect. But I didn't think they'd go so far as to like like just just pretend that your controller is these inputs instead. Um, and then when you actually get into the game, it doesn't start off with the game itself, but it you actually like customize your controls uh, with a little helper dude. Um, so I found those very interesting. That both of those, uh, both of those things going on here. The helper dude, especially though, I know that's not like the you know it's a menu screen, but like there is supposed to you know they show you a controller, they have a guy there. Like there's like, something, yes. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. There's something great about that though. Like that this could have just been put in an options menu, yeah, and just like asked you which way you know like it would just say up, and then it would say you know up on the d-pad as well like it, it would be weird if there wasn't all of this extra visual aid to show you exactly what they were talking about they actually have it broken yeah. down for you so that you can see like hubert is on this square and he's going to jump to this square what d-pad button do you think he should press and uh you know you kind of have to cycle through them and do some work but i think it's funny that the game lets you customize as far as like just even Making it opposite. Like, you could say, like, oh, Cubert's jumping upright. Well, I'm going to hit the left button on the D-pad for that. You know, like, you could totally screw with yourself, too. But I like that it allows full customization of how you control Cubert. And not just, like, a mode A, mode B of how they might think people would use it. I appreciate that, too. Yeah, and this is made by Ultra Games as well, who were the same... um, people that brought us uh, Gyrus last episode. So that's interesting to think that, like, first they had the Control-A, Control-B option, and then in this one they're like, you know, just no, give them full customization. And, and full customization is important because it's not just choose your direction on the D-pad. They did the thing I was kind of hoping they would do, and my preferred method of playing this game on a, on a D-pad controller instead of a joystick, is they let you say up and to the right, like to have to press down both buttons. Oh, for a you specific can do thing. that? Yeah. Oh, so you man. can actually you I... can actually say like yeah, for each thing, each corner I actually want to press up and to the right or right and down or right uh down and left. You know, like you can actually put that in there. So this way you have to confirm both buttons, but it actually makes it make a little more sense because yeah, you so can it's picture one to one instead of pretending that you're playing at an angle. So. Right, right. You can picture which cube you're going to jump on by that little, like, square hole that's left on the D-pad. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's really... That, that, that's, like, the first accessibility uh, consideration I think we've seen. <laughs> Even though it's not, like... It, it's not in the same sense as how you might think. But I, I appreciated it. For yeah, Hubert. and even the... Yeah, the... Um... The 45-degree angle thing, though, like, I'm holding my NES controller right now, and I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, maybe? Like, I don't, I, I'd have to actually play the game, but that seems a little more confusing it didn't than just work. choosing whatever feels comfortable. Because I did, um, pl- playing the game, I did have perspective issues uh, that I'll, I'll go into uh, further uh, when we get into it, but I did try to play it at that 45-degree angle that they were talking about, and... My, I guess my brain just doesn't work that way. I just felt like I was holding the controller weird. So, um, yeah, that was a weird suggestion for them. Now, Sean, you mentioned about the mowing the lawn thing and Pac-Man. That all happened because we started talking about the term, like, is it satisfying? Is is the yes, is yes. Arcade games are satisfying, right? That's what makes those short loops worth it and why you keep 
putting quarters in. Um, you know, there's no grand prize at the end. It's it's all about just the reward of playing the game itself. And so I have to ask you here, since Qbert is kind of like a version of the floor is lava. <laughs> is that is that satisfying to you of like, you know, touch the tiles and watch the colors change and, you know, you have to avoid some enemies, but for the most part, you're just trying to change all of the colors of the tiles from like blue to yellow, yellow to green, green to red. Like, what'd you think? Um, I'd say that at the, like at the most basic, so level one, round one, um, I found it, satisfying in that very basic way of like i'm just gonna turn all these blue and that did feel good um but the enemies in this game uh end up turning it for me mostly into like an exercise in uh in frustration and kind of futility uh especially the i forgot their names but the ones that will just come and undo your progress uh that that was just a little. That was like a bridge too far for me. If maybe if they just didn't have the enemies that undid your progress, I could uh, I could enjoy this a bit more. Um, but unlike Pac Man, where there's no like none of the none of the ghosts are going to add more stuff for you to have to get rid of or like lay traps for you, aside from them just existing. Um, I, I'd say that this wasn't as uh, this wasn't as enjoyable. First, I just want to comment that I hope that uh, the developers of Pac-Man are listening to this episode because that is absolutely something that needs to be added into the next iteration of Pac-Man. Ghosts should be able to add traps and <laughs> other and other crazy things. Like they should have their own power-ups too. <laughs> I I hope that that exists on some kind of level because that's a great idea. You're <laughs> right though; it's a bit much here in Qbert at the very start. I don't know about you. Level 1 was harder than level 2, and that shouldn't necessarily be how any game is run. Like, I can't think of another example. Usually, level 1, you're, like, all powered out, or you're supposed to just, like, learn the ropes. And this is just my own experience, but I found that stage 1 took me so many tries to actually, like, not die on. And, you know, lives are a precious thing. Yeah. Uh, so you can't, you know, you can't really accept too many deaths on stage 1 and think you're going to get very far. So I would just reset a lot. Uh-huh. But when I finally got to stage two, maybe I just got better at the game as a, you know, as a consequence of stage one being so hard. But I found stage two to be a little more manageable. I don't think it was the right call to say, here's most of the game right off the bat in stage one. And we're going to litter the screen with these guys, too. Like, Snake Boy is coming directly for you. And the bouncing balls is like somebody was juggling and dropped all of them at once. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, the bouncing balls, like... I, I don't consider them an enemy. I consider them an obstacle. And when it comes to obstacles, I, I feel like there's an unspoken rule that they should be predictable. Like you can kind of, I mean, the, a lot of a lot of great games break the rule. Like in Donkey Kong, um, uh, you'll it's it's kind of random where the barrels will fall, but you can still kind of tell what they're gonna do. You could you can guess. More times than not. Uh, with the bouncing balls, I had no idea if they're going to fall down to the left, down to the right. Uh, and I feel like it, I think they might be following you. And they might just be a glorif- like a, like an act- actually just an enemy. Um, so that kind of pissed me off. 
uh, the fact that an obstacle was behaving like an enemy, and it just there's just so much going on, especially with uh, with the snakes. And now I'm just now I'm just ranting. So please stop me. Yeah, well, you're having a you know a post war flashback. <laughs> yeah, is what you're having because I think you can you can watch somebody play this game and and say to yourself like, oh, seems pretty straightforward, and it is. Seems pretty simple. It kind of is. And it seems fun, which it is. But then you play it yourself, and it feels like everyone is out to get you in this game. Yeah. Like, you're talking about the balls being random, but I kind of feel like there are certain opportunities on this map where your only choice is just to kind of like tempt fate and say, all right, well, I'm not going to move. And if the ball comes at me, that's just bad luck. You know, like... I've got a. I don't have any many other choices because sometimes, you know, where you are on the pyramid, uh, especially when you're higher up, it's hard to um, to like quickly get around these things because there's more than three on the screen. You know, yeah. you're running out of available squares to you, and a lot of times you just get cut off. And I feel like that was just um, a lack of enemy programming where i'm not saying that the game needed to be planned of where balls dropped and uh where the snakes appear but there should have been some more rules about how enemies navigate the stage in a way that you're not necessarily cut off all the time you know a lot of times you're just you're just stuck to a zone and you're repeatedly touching the squares that you've already turned you're just touching them again and again to avoid obstacles and that's where things get unsatisfying because the the fun part of this game is watching the colors change from yellow <laughs> to green as crazy as that sounds that is the fun part of this game yeah. and if i am not doing that if i am only changing my direction and hoping that i don't forget you know how i control my d-pad that's not a very fun game that's just me playing like 3d frogger uh with cubert <laughs> um yeah uh, well, one other thing that I'll say about this, uh, just to compare it to Pac-Man again, is uh, like okay, so Pac-Man, there's four, there's there's four ghosts. I don't know if there's ever more than four enemies on a on a, on a screen of Cubert, but it always feels like there's more. And I think it's because in Pac-Man, uh, you, it, it's a very minimal, like just even in like color space, it's a very minimal look. It's always a black background, and all of the enemies are bright. Whereas in Cubert, uh, everything is different colors. Like every level has some new bright color, um, and your enemies just sort of blend in. So, like, wh- whereas with uh, when, when you're playing Pac-Man, you can just use your peripheral vision uh, to sort of do your own bit of like crowd control and just to to get an idea of everything. Whereas uh, I I just lose the enemies in the noise of the screen in this game, um, coupled with other things that again I'll get into uh, visually. But it just it's very it's very hard to to make heads or tails of what's happening. I think for for me because you also need to you know we can get into the visual thing. I feel like because that's going to open up a lot of conversation, but. You need to always keep a track of just, like, what you're doing, you know? Like, this isn't as simple as a shmup where it's, like, you know kind of how you're controlling your spaceship and you're focusing more on all of the other enemies and working on dodging them because you're all on the same space, you know? Like, it, 
it's just um, if you imagine graph paper, like you could you could lay that over and see that all. Cubert changes this like established way of looking at video games, and instead you're focused more on like, am I about to jump on the right space? You know, am, am I yeah. about to do the right thing? I don't care where the enemies are. And then it's like, all right, cool. You did that thing. But now, surprise, like you bumped into an enemy and you're dead. Yeah. And I mean, I do like the idea of like having to think through your actions. But I think everything else sort of uh, that, that's acting against that experience. It, I, I do like the idea in theory. It just it just doesn't seem to to gel. Um, and I think the number one thing, at least for me, uh, that isn't exactly like the programming or just the game design itself is, um, and let me know if you felt this too. Um, I was getting some weird optical illusions, um, where, because if you look at any board of Qbert, um, it's really just, uh, your brain telling you like, yes, this is a, this is a corner of a pyramid or something, and that's just like the orientation that you see. But I would keep getting like this this effect where the whole thing would just sort of invert, and now I'm looking up at a quarter of a pyramid, and Cubert looks really weird. And th- do you know what I'm talking about, or am I just sort of saying saying words right now? I could totally understand. Like you did paint a good picture there. You know that like the perspective changed. It did not for me. It didn't. Um, okay. <laughs> it didn't. But no. But I, you know, I know exactly how Cubert looks, and I think, you know, if you suffer from something like that, right, or even just suffering from like losing the plane that you're on, right? Like, uh, you know, there's that one enemy that comes from the sides. Yeah, that also throws the, you off. Yeah, that's right. Part it of throws it. you off because now you're like, okay, wait a minute. Like, am I? Which, you know, like which tile am I on? And I think. That's probably uh, not to the fault of the game, right? Like, I think that's, like, player-dependent, similar to how, like... <laughs> no, just similar to, like, how some people can't play, um, you know, games with flashing images because they'll have a seizure, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Some people just can't handle the perspective shift. Uh, I get very dizzy playing VR games where I have to walk, you know? Like, I actually feel like I'm going to throw mm-hmm. up if I have to actually walk. So I like games that warp you from place to place. This is definitely a thing that happens. I don't know how you solve it, but I could see that would make the game so much more difficult if you <laughs> constantly lose your, you know, your place value. Yeah, if, if it just had any amount of parallax, I think it would be fine. Um, but because it's at this nominally isometric angle where, like, the only clues of what your perspective is is just, like, what you... Like you just sort of trained to think of it that way, um, it yeah it can it can I don't know I didn't feel sick but I did get very disoriented. I imagine a level of Cubert where the the cubes actually like shift up and down, you know. So like in the middle of your playing, you have to be cautious of the moving cubes as they go from like a top heavy pyramid to like a V shape, you know. Now. That would be something that would definitely trip up <laughs> oh, me, yeah. but would also be worth checking out as an idea as well, like kind of a, um, you know, a Tetris effect version of Cubert. Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> so did you use those rainbow disc elevators at the sides of the levels or did those just taunt you as like, a, you know, you totally can use us, but you won't? 
Um, I know. I I feel like you're playing on hard mode if you don't. Um, but I did get tricked a lot again via perspective of I, and I know the rules of the game. This is all my fault. But I would jump in the wrong direction and just jump off the screen when I tried to get to it. Like I'd say, like once every six times I tried to use it, I would just kill myself. So uh, there, they were always like just the siren singing you to 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 the rocks. But um, I did my best. I like that they're there. Don't get me wrong. I just think it, it's funny how. It's something that to me is like an obvious like, yes, like get out of jail free card, right? Like I just need to get on the elevator and then I'll be back up at the top and I'll be away from all these enemies. But it felt like if I, whenever I was heading towards them, um, I was going to be bumped into some enemies or to something, some kind of trap. Uh, I did ride the elevator successfully a few times, so it felt nice. <laughs> and it's definitely nice that they have them. Um, I think the one-time use thing is an interesting decision. Pac-Man didn't like – close the gates if, if you go from the left side yeah, to the right the side, you know, if you, like, warp thing. around. Right. Yeah. You know, like, it, it probably didn't need to be a one-time use thing, but they did choose that, they did choose that, and I, I don't know what the correct answer is there. Obviously, I'm not great at this game. I played it a bunch, though, because I really do enjoy the concept. Yeah. I just think, I think something about the NES mode, I don't know if it's just harder or something like that, but it was hard. Yeah, I don't know, because I can't fully remember my experience playing on a machine it cannot be that different um i know one thing that gets people tripped up in this game and you you kind of get used to it is just that input delay because you do have to watch the the hop which is always like it always takes the same amount of time uh but i think to some people it could feel sticky Maybe the like the game feel on the uh, uh, the game feel on the arcade version feels a little different than on the NES. Um, but no, I I also found this game very hard to control. But depend like, between the perspective and the the density of enemies and everything that we've mentioned so far. To get back to the delay, though. That is an interesting observation and was something uh, that I liked about the game that not all the enemies and you moved on like a synchronized clock from space to space. It wasn't like a uh, a board game in that respect where everybody moves at the same times. And, you know, obviously that's true. Like you could just stand on a particular space and everybody else still moves along. But there were weird moments where like you could just narrowly dodge an enemy that's technically like on the same platform as you but if you jump off uh you know like a beat early or like leave a beat later there's uh there's leeway there and that was um that afforded me a lot more gameplay time than it cost me uh because there's kind of like a an advantage to the brain there than to have that leeway where you don't have to be this like frame perfect of like all right well if he's going up i'm going down oh wait there's this other guy on the left he's gonna hit me this way it would be interesting to see a another you know we're just creating so many cubert games tonight but you're talking about like a necro dancer cubert right now (laughs) yeah yeah it would be interesting to see that um now that i think about it yeah but Um, but like i'm glad that this game had uh some looseness to the hitbox so that you could kind of escape some narrow moments. Yeah, I did appreciate that, and I could tell that it was a uh, it was something that they were thinking about 
um, because I feel like the default would just be like uh, once that sprite has decided to move, it is like the game now considers it in that box and you're just automatically dead. But I did appreciate that they um, would actually give you that leeway. You do move slightly faster. I think like if you were, if you're like trying to outrun the snake from getting to the, from the bottom of the screen to the top, you could easily beat him there uh, and maybe give yourself some room to maneuver. Um, But I think that there were enough instances where you were just painted into a corner uh, that it didn't always help that much. (laughs) And I talked about Kubert cursing at the start of this episode, but that's like a, that's a funny thing, right? Like there's actually, there's something interesting and unique about that that caught my attention even like back in 2002 when I was playing this game as a kid. I I think, you know, it's not edgy or anything like that, but it, it's just like it's just a playful thing to have like a you know he could not be cursing for all we know he could just that could be the Cubertian language. I'm sure that um, that's what the designers would say, but I think that I, I think he's actually saying like every four letter word we can think of. I I like to think of him that way. Sure, but like I don't know. Did you feel like for me that was like a significant addition? To the character, you know, like they yeah. actually like a, a small little thing that went like a long way. Yeah, he's actually a uh, a flawed being of some sort that that gets frustrated with himself, and I guess is just more somewhat annoyed with his enemies than uh, actually thinking them as enemies. I think you could read into it, and maybe uh, uh, everyone ha- will have a different interpretation of Kubert's psyche. You know? Yeah, it's just every time he dies, he's having a gamer moment. (laughs) An epic gamer moment. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Sean, would you be shocked if I told you that the original title for this game was at symbol exclamation mark hashtag question mark at symbol exclamation mark? Uh, I would say that that's a really weird thing to make up, so I I would be inclined to believe you. And I am telling the truth, but... Um, I just think, you know, the most interesting thing is like this, this was like an actual title. Like it never shipped. I think, I don't think it ever shipped with that, with that title, but they (laughs) built it into the arcade cabinets first. And it got like all the way to like the president of, of the company, uh, (laughs) which, you know, this is Gotaleb. So they were like, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, by the way, but they're a pinball company, uh, not a video game developer, but like it got all the way up to the president and he was like, I kind of like it. Oh, that's so weird. How would you even? What would you even refer to it as? Like right, static noise. <laughs> yeah, you you would say that game with the symbols. You know, like I think. Also, I think that's it's ultimately... Gottlieb. But yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> that's why they changed it, though, right? Like it, there was just no marketable. You know, there's not marketable to call it that. But I think it is really funny <laughs> to think that, like, you know, even back then, people were kind of testing the limits. Of what people would put up with, you know, like the the original title being a, just a string of symbols, you know, feels like something that we would now see on Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, 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 I'd say so. And Kubert was supposed to shoot, uh, I guess, like a black ball out of his, you know, he, if you notice his orange round body has another like 
you know, a part of it an that orifice. juts out. Like, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a, I guess a mouth, right? Let's call it a mouth. But it's it is really mouth. more like a, it's a freaking cannon, if you <laughs> ask me. So I think he was going to shoot cannonballs out of these things as a um, as another way to take out the enemies. But uh, Warren Davis, who was the creator of the game. Uh, he wanted to, you know, like remove as many complex complexities as possible and make it so that you could play the game with just one hand. So uh, remove the ability to shoot. Just made the game about um, stepping on the on the spaces. Nothing more. Do you think you went in the right direction? Do you think shooting might have been another way to uh, to make this game a little more fun? No, I think the charm of it is again the simplicity that we're talking about. I mean, it does. It does turn into a very anxious simplicity, but in terms of the, that decision, I I agree that that was the the way to go. I don't think I would it would add anything if I was because like even how would that work? Like you're gonna just throw them like it would be another obstacle, but it it might hit the other dudes. I I guess I I like it. I like it the way it is in comparison to that. I also like Kubert being a harmless guy in the wrong space you know like he's innocent and you care for him and you don't want him to get hurt um and then when he does get hurt he curses and it's cute you know <laughs> if he's shooting a gun and killing snakes then when he curses now he's like a badass you know it's like oh this this guy's like bart simpson <laughs> is bart simpson a badass well no i just i guess like i was trying to think of like what would be the Cubertian version of a? Yeah, you know, forget it. It's not important. Also, Cubert predates Bart Simpson by six years. True. So I just think you know, not not the badass part, but maybe just like the you know, kid with attitude. Yeah, he's got you know? Cubert. He's got Cubertitude. Yeah, he's actually Cubart. Whoa! <laughs> I said it. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, um. I don't, I don't, I really don't know. Uh, I, I feel like you have some other stuff. I do. I have some sequels and spinoff stuff because you know Qbert, uh, the Qbert craze, the Qbert quaze was Quays. real. Uh, and they did release a, uh, a sequel game in the arcade called Qbert's Cubes. Now, I don't know if that was the right title to, for a sequel. You know, I don't think, um, I don't think Qbert 2 would have been any better, but it wouldn't have been any worse. Qbert's Cubes, what do you think? Is that a, is that a good title? I think that it's just, like, because Qbert, like, the, the Q part of Qbert is trying to make reference to cubes because you're hopping on cubes. And I think just to add cubes again to the end um, is just adding redundancies. But if, if you want to be as flexible with the pronunciation of the Q as we have been, then maybe Qbert's Quubes would have been better maybe that's actually how they intended people uh to and you think about it right if it was a bunch of symbols would the second game have just been more symbols would it have been like <laughs> at sign exclamation mark hashtag question mark at sign exclamation mark parentheses i think it would be in parentheses but yeah we're on the same page oh okay yeah that's actually good i like that uh so anyway similar gameplay cubert's cubes to cubert but now it's in three dimensions. Now, they describe it that way. I thought the first game was in three dimensions. I don't see how this is really any different. In fact, I would argue this one is less in three dimensions because the cubes are just kind of more spaced out now. Like, you can tell that they're, you know, that they're all boxes and everything, but they're not actually, like, touching each other 
it seems very strange. I don't think maybe maybe I'm not looking at this the right way, and maybe there was supposed to be played with some 3D glasses or something that <laughs> made it that kind of 3D. But something about this just it it just seems wrong to me, and I can understand why I've never heard about this game before today. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm watching I'm watching it right now, and yeah, that it's just they've just separated the the surfaces, and I guess changed the way. Oh, I see how it is. So, and I get it. So basically, it's as if you jumping on to the the surfaces didn't just change the face color, but you actually had to rotate the the entire cube so that the correct face was on top. So Oh, it's a Rubik's cube now. If if every Rubik's cube had like just one one color on each side and you couldn't change all of the little basically yeah <laughs> okay but also a rubik's cube with only one color that's my kind of rubik's cube <laughs> uh all right yeah now the next game that i'm going to talk about i'm sure there are other ports of cubert and uh, you know it got it got on every atari console 2600 5200 uh they're all on there so i'm not gonna talk about ports but i have cubert 3 which this game better be actually called cubert cubed <laughs> Okay, because, like, that is a mistake. If the three isn't supposed to be, you know, like, for cubed, nope. I think that they really botched this. It is, not, it is not in the correct place. It's just Cubert 3. I can't believe that they would opt for Cubert 3 when Cubert Cubed is in front of them. Like, it's, it's literally staring at them. They just had to move the three up a little bit more. Uh, Incredible. Instead, we get Cubert 3. Where was Cubert 2? I know it was Cubert Cubes, but... You know, I can't think of a series that goes like, you know, the game, the game with a subtitle and then the game three. Like, I just can't think of that. <laughs> uh, man, I'm sure there's something I could think of because I know that that still happens. But uh, I, I, I'm i looking at footage now of Cubert 3 and it's even more just busy. Like, I, I don't know how anyone can focus playing this well, game. Well, this is this is Cubert with new new layouts and new patterns. So, um, for instance, you can, do, you know, like the boxes are now American flags. Yeah, no, I see that. But, like, we've got this psychedelic background that keeps changing, and I think this is the game that's going to give, like, forget about mo- modern video games. Like, this game with the, the flashing psychedelic imagery in the background, that's what's going to give you a seizure. Yeah, and you know, it's really interesting because I did play what I'm going to officially call Cubert Cubed and own the rights to. <laughs> um, when I played this game, before you die, but as you're about to die, like let's say you're jumping off the, you know, and they know that you're not going to land on another platform, like you're jumping off into space, right? Yeah. But before you even get close to dying, just just by the fact that you press the input, everything else on the screen stops. And that just feels weird to me, you know, like that there's something both glitchy and uncomfortable about like every enemy just like halting in space, you know, like everything just freezing up because you've pressed a button that is eventually going to kill you. But the second you press it, everything is off limits. It's like you cannot undo this decision. Now you need to watch what you've done. I I think it's more a comment on uh, the fact that in this universe, like the this entire universe is just a projection of Cubert's 
body. Like he's a, it's a solipsistic game where the only real thing is Qbert. And now that Qbert is dead, everything else ceases to be. I see, I see. I thought of it more like a stage play, you know, like everyone's just acting, and then when Kubert jumps off stage and kills himself, all the other actors are like, oh shit, like, is that supposed to happen? Like, wasn't in the script? <laughs> okay, that's that's not like a stage play then, that's more like a, like a stage play gone wrong. But right, right, right. Sorry, I didn't know I needed the extra <laughs> subtitle, I'll be sure to, sure to make that the second game will be called that, and then the third game will just be called Stage Play 3. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway, Qbert for Sega Dreamcast is up next. Okay. Um, it's also came to like PlayStation One and stuff, so I, I don't know why I singled that out. I just think it's funny when like you know consoles that people don't like. I don't know. I never thought there was a Qbert game on Sega Dreamcast, but I'm sure like people who collect Sega Dreamcast own this copy of Qbert. They can they don't give it a subtitle or anything. It's just Qbert all over again and cute. Uh, it's actually like, it's like Donkey Kong 94 in the sense that you start off playing the normal Qbert arcade game, like with the old graphics and everything, and then you move into the 3D puzzle adventure game that Qbert on Sega Dreamcast is. Whoa. Okay. That, I, I, I like that. Um, I'm not seeing it right now. Um, because I'm, again, I'm, I'm watching it and it, it's just like, it looks like an N64 game. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Make no mistake about it. Uh, it ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. <laughs> but they. I think that this game was always going to come too late. Like even on N64, it was going to be. Um, it was going to be weird that it was there. Yeah. Just Cuber didn't. He, Cuber was. Yeah. He was already 3D. It was already a 3D arcade game in 1983. Now when you embrace the actual bad graphics of like an N64, <laughs> like that's not what that's not progress. That's actually a step backwards. I think about this with um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um the arcade games look awesome for their sprite work and everything. And then they like remastered some of those games like they did Turtles in Time uh HD on Xbox 360 and it was just like crappy 3D models, but the same exact game recreated. And it's like, who were the fans of the beautiful sprite work yeah. arcade game that said, just give me the exact same thing again, but with Xbox 360 graphics? Like, I don't think any of them said that. It's like the um, like the Final Fantasy 6 or 3, whatever you want to say, for the phones and how they just have like chibi 3D stuff now. And I I didn't want that. Nobody wants that, so I hear you. And they did that for every Final Fantasy game that was part of the older lines, right? Like, I think even you yeah. can play Final Fantasy 2 and 3, which were Japan exclusives. You can play them on mobile, but you have to play them with the chibi version. Like, you can't just say, give me the give me the NES art. I demand satisfaction. <laughs> yep. Last on my list is Qbert Rebooted. I don't know. Felt like there could have been another cubed thing there, like Qbert re- Re-Cubed or Qbert <laughs> re Recubid. No, yeah, I like it. Recubid. Well, it looks like here he's actually not jumping on cubes all the time anymore. Like they can be like hexagonal. Yeah, they're hexagons this time. Uh, so now you have six points of direction. And this is a mobile game. So I imagine it's like swiping on your phone. Oh, yeah, that uh, makes sense. In those directions or something. Uh, I couldn't play this one because, uh, you know. I mean, maybe we have the technology, but I don't know how to emulate uh, mobile games. Well, it says so. it's on PS4. Um, PS4? Yeah. 
Qbert rebooted. PS4. A game that looks like that yeah. went to the PS4. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. I mean, why not? Why not? But <laughs> it's so then it had to have also just been like you know using uh you know an analog stick yeah. at that point right yeah uh but the six points of direction instead of the the classic four I'm for that I think that that out of all the pitches tonight is the one that makes sense that it was greenlit you know we pitched a lot of different Kubert games but I think when you say <laughs> well what if we just take the same what game if, what but if now polygons you six but more. Right, exactly. I I feel like this is the one executives would be like, of course. And so obviously it was made back in 2014, though. So for PS4, though, so maybe go spend. I know it's not sixty bucks, but I'm gonna make the joke. Make go spend sixty bucks on Cubert yeah. rebooted. Yeah. <laughs> and Nintendo would do it. They would charge you sixty bucks for that. Oh, game. they would. On Switch. <laughs> but we don't charge uh, anything. For um, the most important part of our show, Sean, uh, we don't we don't like add support the essential games list, which is the part I'm talking about here. No, it's the and, Nabisco essential games yeah. list. <laughs> right, right, right. This is this is free to the listeners, power to the players. <laughs> this is something we do every episode, and somehow we've been talking about Qbert for a really long time. But Always we also happens. need to we need to wrap up our time. We need to come to a decision, and we're gonna make that decision on. The essential games list. I would say that on the inaugural uh, Nestle essential games list, I would say that Qbert is not essential just it just because like it every other arcade game that like nothing's really changed from the arcade. Uh, I, I can't put a game like that on the essential games list, and uh, I can. Hardly put Qbert on any surface without dying. So that's me. I like that. I like that ending. That was very nice. And um, you know, shout out to Nabisco. What can I say? I'm I'm full. I'm all in on it now. I believe in them. <laughs> that's how sponsorships work. If you just say them enough, they sponsor you. They're like, oh, you know, these guys are talking about us an awful lot. Um, you know, here's where I fall with Qbert uh, because I fall off the stage Ooh. all the time with Qbert. There's something about, like, a game like this being fun for someone like me who's awful at it. Like, that, that that takes a lot to make a game that you can still enjoy no matter how bad you are at it, right? How many games do you know like that? So Qbert does have something going for it. But I really think that's all it has going for it. It's kind of understandable to me why the Qbert Quaze died in 1983 with the video game crash. <laughs> I came up with a lot of ideas for how to make Qbert a little better, but even those ideas aren't going to get it very far um, into, like, you know, my, my like, oh, now I should play that game. Like, I don't even think I would, I think I'd skip them all. So Qbert is one of those games that you find in a barcade or, you know, on a trip and you're just like, oh, this guy has uh, Qbert in his deli. Okay, cool. Let's play it. <laughs> like, those things will happen to you in life because they sold a lot of Qbert cabinets. Yeah. And that's when you play Qbert. You don't play Qbert when you're looking through a list of essential games that were released on the Nintendo Entertainment System. In fact, I'd go as far as to say you don't actively seek out a Qbert arcade cabinet. Qbert will find you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't you don't like when you're building a arcade for your downstairs basement, right? Which like I'm definitely not, so this is not <laughs> nobody's showing off here. I'm saying if you're one of those people, you're only buying the Qbert arcade cabinet if you 
like were there in 1983. No one is saying I need to include Qbert in my list of arcade cabinets that I want to buy when the prices are like $600, you know, like no one's doing that. So that's how Qbert fleshes out here. It's not as tough a decision for me as some of our other classic arcade games because those are just great games that happen to also, you know, be on the NES and probably be slightly inferior. Qbert doesn't have that problem. Qbert is just it's always been an inferior arcade game to the greats. Oh man. That's the that was rough. Yeah, I think you could say um that I just spiked Qbert there and the reason I used the word spiked is because we will be playing Tecmo Bowl next week. Hell yeah. Next week Tecmo Bowl, everybody must play as the Bills. <laughs> I don't know if the Bills are in this one, are they? I feel like the Tecmo Bowl has the NFL license. I think they do, but I don't think that uh, they have all the teams. Oh, got it. Okay, interesting. Oh, that stinks. I think the Bills are pr- – I'm pretty confident they're in Tecmo Super Bowl. They so are. They're very game. much in Tecmo Super Bowl, but yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. Lose four times in a row, I suppose. I swear but. to God, Mike. It doesn't matter. Um, we're all fans here. Of Nostalgia and the Bills. Uh, <laughs> the two must always go together. Exactly. Tecmo Bowl is a game that a lot of people hold dear to them, though, Sean. So I feel like there's a lot of pressure on us to, um, you know, to give it its due diligence. Hey, I'm the one. I'm the one that usually that, that that's all for the sports. So if if it bears any uh, any essentialness, it's probably going to come from me. All right. So next week we'll be playing Tecmo Bowl. Next week we'll probably have a bigger cast. And maybe next week, yeah, maybe. I said probably. I, I think probably and maybe are the same kind of words, Sean. Don't correct me like that. I was just adding. Also. Oh, got it. All right. Uh, sorry. So I'm sorry to offend you. No, no, no. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. You know, just remember, you know, this is a show where we're supposed to be like, you know, just four best friends recording a podcast. I get right? it. I'm like, fired. I don't want to break appearances on the show. I get it. Okay. All right. Whatever. Next week, yeah. Next week, we may or may not have Sean, but uh, we will have Tecmo Bowl, and uh, that'll be uh, next Friday. You can find Nostalgia at NostalgiaCast on Twitter. You can find me, Michael Esposito, at EspositoFilm on Twitter, and I, Nostalgia, and yes, Sean, will also be talking to you very soon.